Let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Darren Freeman. And Darren Freeman writes, wherever he went, there he is. Darren Freeman writes, Hey, John and Rob, I noticed that Mulan reviews have started showing up and they all look really good. I personally know a lot of people who said they were going to wait for December when the movie becomes available for all Disney Plus subscribers for free. But do you think some might change their minds and pay the $30 to get it now with the good reviews? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, Mulan, as of this morning, uh, or late last night, whatever the case may be, I checked at midnight. It still wasn't up, but this morning it's there. Mulan is now available uh, on Disney+. Plus. But you can't just be a Disney Plus subscriber. You have to be a Disney Plus subscriber, and you got to pay 30 bucks on top of that. And that gets you early access. Now, as the person who wrote in so accurately pointed out, if you are a Disney Plus subscriber, you do have the option of just waiting till December. And in December, Mulan becomes available to everybody on Disney Plus without the extra $30 charge. So I've heard from a lot of people who are saying that they were going to wait for it to come out in December. I heard from a bunch of people saying, hey, I've really been looking forward to this movie, so I'm going to pay the 30 bucks and watch it when it comes out. Do I think these reviews, because as of right now, Rob, as of this moment, Mulan is holding an 82% on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. And the reviews are fairly strong. Like, none of them are, this is the best movie of the year, although that's not very hard right now to be the best movie of this year. But none of them are like, this is the best movie of the year. But they're all, hey, this is good. Yeah, you missed the songs from the original cartoon. And yeah, there's no Eddie Murphy. But you know what? This stands on its own. And of course, you know, there's a number of the critics who didn't like it either. Do I think these are positive enough to get people who are on the fence? Yes. I think there are going to be some people, Rob, who were literally on the fence. Like they could have gone either way. And so hearing that it's coming out with an 82%, I think for those who were really on the fence, I think that might nudge them over to deciding to get it now. I, I don't know. But I think for a lot of people who are just like, hey, no, no, I, I can wait till the sound. I'm a Disney Plus subscriber. It's going to come to me for free in December. I'll, I'll just wait for it. So some people, yes, but I don't see it making a huge difference to a lot of people. Rob, do you think, um, you know, the current reviews that it's getting is going to be enough to take those people who are thinking, ah, I'll just wait for it to come out in December and, and watch it for free then? Or do you think these will be enough to get those people to jump the fence and say, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and get it now? What do you think? Well, to be honest, uh, a lot of the reviews really won me over in the sense that I didn't realize some of the, the you know, I love Asian cinema. I love Asian action cinema. I have literally my whole life. And uh, the fact that they've leaned into certain uh, techniques in terms of how things were shot and they've really embraced that made me, uh, my interest was peaked. I'm like, you know, I read like four reviews last night and I'm like, I I'm going to drop the, I'm going to drop the money because, you know, I think it's important that we do. Obviously, you know, if we're going to support our business, I think it's important to always do that with your dollars and De December is four months away. And if we can see this now, I feel that, one, I'm going to get to watch a great movie. And if, you know, I get four people to watch it, that's five bucks. What is it? $20, $30, seven bucks, eight bucks, whatever. I mean, it is like going out to the movies. And I, I would like to see this model succeed, especially now. And it sounds good to me, man. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to pay. 
Well, I mean, that and that also brings up the question about the model itself. I mean, I, I don't think the model can succeed. I mean, it just I mean, it that does. That's not to say that Mulan can't get a decent result and that for a situation like Mulan, where it was either release on on Disney Plus now or have to wait till July of next year and sit on the show. Yeah, I mean, yeah, every film has its own unique set of circumstances that might make it a better move for one film, not for the other. But I, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, Rob, I'm still on the fence, and I've I've been looking forward to seeing Mulan, but you know, I wanted to see Mulan on a movie screen. I, I wanted to see it like with those big epic sweeping China Chinese landscapes and all that kind of stuff. That's how I wanted to see it. I so, know. I so I'm definitely going to watch it. I just don't know if I'm going to shell out the thirty bucks. And I'm saying I don't know. Like tomorrow, I may talk to you to everybody and say, guess what? I watched Mulan, but or I may not. I don't know. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this? It all depends on where you were to start. Were you looking forward to Mulan? Were you not? Were you on the fence? If you were on the fence, hearing these strong reviews coming out, is that enough to push you over? Maybe you thought they could have been stronger and they could have been stronger. What do you guys think? Jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Xander Saurus, who writes, Greetings, John. So, this might hurt fans uh, who were looking forward to the Batman in production, but unfortunately, I've read the news online that the Batman himself, Robert Pattinson, has tested positive for COVID-19, and the movie production has paused. What are your thoughts about this breaking news? Thanks, and I hope for the best for Robert and that he'll be okay, even if we have to wait longer for the Batman. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Xandersaurus. And yeah, by now, everybody's heard the news. At first, the reports came out that somebody on the Batman crew got COVID-19 and they were going to pause things and shut things down. I think Vanity Fair, I could be wrong. Now, Deadline is now confirming it and everything, but I think Vanity Fair was the first one to confirm that it was actually Robert Pattinson uh, who tested positive uh, for, uh, for the disease, unfortunately. This is what comes to us from Vanity Fair, who writes, Robert Pattinson is said to have tested positive for the coronavirus, causing filming of the Batman to be halted just days after the superhero drama resumed work at studios outside of London. Warner Brothers could not comment on any individual worker's health, sharing only this statement. A member of the Batman production has tested positive for COVID-19 and is isolating in accordance with established protocols. Filming is temporarily paused. Vanity Fair has confirmed, though, a, through a highly placed source that Pattinson was was the individual who became sick. Now, of course, this has uh, also been confirmed. Deadline is also saying that their studio sources are telling them that it was indeed Robert Pattinson who got infected. And, you know, we just talked a few days ago about the fact that Batman has started production again. Oh, and now it's stopped again. Now, there were some conflicting reports coming out. This morning, there were reports coming out that 
Batman is going back into production. They're just going to shoot without Robert Pattinson for now. Now, of course, Robert Pattinson is not in every scene in the movie. There's lots of work to be done, even without, even in scenes without Robert Pattinson in the scenes. However, that has been debunked. Uh, it is being said through Variety. They looked into that. Apparently, even though Variety themselves had said it was going back into production just without Pattinson, they have since confirmed that nope, the they are pausing the production right now, while Pattinson and Everybody he came into direct conflict with on the team are all self-quarantining for 14 days. So the thing is in pause. The thing is not in production right now. That's where we're at. There are a couple of thoughts that I have. First, of course, is that best wishes to Robert Pattinson and anybody else on the production crew who might have got it from him. Here's the other thing. <clears throat> you know, we are in it a day and age right now when if you're not an absolute blithering drooling over your own feet moron you're trying to take some reasonable precautions you know you, you don't have to put on a hazmat suit and seal up your house with duct tape but take some reasonable precautions that's all that's all we ask not just so you don't get it that's that's the part where a lot of people become blithering idiots well, I don't care if I get it. Well, it's not about you, you effing moron. It's about you become a transmitter if you get it. You know, again, don't seal yourself in a suit. Just take some reasonable precautions. That's all we're asking. That's the day and age we're in. However, we are also in a world where you can take precautions and still have bad things happen, right? Like, you, I, I can, I've, you know, the argument I've heard before, the, the, the hyperbole is, yeah, you shouldn't drive blindfolded on the highway. Yes, you can still get in an accident and people still do get in accidents when driving without a blindfold, but the chances are much smaller, but, but, but it can still happen, right? I've seen some people online and I get it, uh, being a little upset and angry at Robert Pattinson saying, Oh, he clearly wasn't taking precautions. He clearly wasn't acting safe. He clearly was acting irresponsibly, to which I would say, I haven't heard any evidence of that. Listen, you can, he, he, for all we know, he had the hand sanitizer on, he put the, the mask on, he went to his local grocery store that is taking all the precautions, and you still might get it. He has a smaller chance, but look, we just don't know the circumstances of how he got it. But I, I don't think people should be ganging on Robert Pattinson for this when, hey, he could have been taking every precaution and he could have just got unlucky. And that's the case. Now, here's the thing, Rob. I've heard also other people saying, oh, well, Robert Pattinson got COVID. That means the safety precautions on movie sets aren't working. Folks, Robert Pattinson getting COVID and them catching it and instantly isolating him and isolating anybody he's come into contact with is proof that their system is working. Now, I remember when the UFC, Rob, had its first big event uh, post-COVID, and everybody's wondering if all these safety precautions and and a, a big famous MMA fighter, Jacare, he tested positive for COVID. And some people said, oh, that means it's not working. No, it was proof that it worked. One guy had it. They caught it. They isolated him, they removed him from where everybody else was, and then nobody else tested positive, and they've had about 20 other events since. It showed that the system works. If they didn't catch Robert, 
and he did then spread it to 30 other people. That would be a sign that the system isn't working. But I think this is actually a sign that it's working. It, the system, the precautions, the protocols, Rob, did what they were supposed to do. Mm. If it happens, it gets identified, and then they take immediate action. And that's what it's supposed to do. So while my thoughts are to Robert Pattinson right now, I hope he recovers really well. Uh, we don't know what the circumstances were regarding how he got it. So I give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm just going to go with the assumption he probably just got unlucky. Fine. And then that the safety protocols in place on the Batman set did their job by identifying what happened, isolating him, pausing production till they can get all a clean bill of slate of health again, and then move forward again. So it sucks that Robert caught it, but I'm also a little bit encouraged to see that the system is working. Rob, you heard about this. At, at first, the report was just that they were that somebody got it and they were shutting down production. Yeah. We then found out it was Robert. What's your take on, on this whole thing? Well, one, it shows that uh, we're in the middle of a global pandemic still. And it's not a second wave. It's a first wave that has continued on. And uh, it's something that we have to take uh, very seriously. And this was something that happened overseas. You know, it, it, it's still a global pandemic and we still have to be very mindful of it. But like you said, when people take precautions and we have these, these, these ways of doing things in place to make sure that we're ever diligent, the system is working. Now, I do feel bad that they've had to shut down production. And, you know, when you think someone had it, you've got makeup people, hair people, everybody's close in touching people's faces and things like that. They, ha they have to shut down. They can't be like, well, we'll just continue on and shoot second unit. I mean, maybe they can, but it's, uh, it's, it's problematic. And I feel bad for everybody, you know, the crew. They've been off for five and a half months. You think, hey, we're going back to work. We're three days into it. They've only shot 25% of that film as was reported and i it's a bummer certainly i mean i don't know i'd be very curious to see how the insurance payments work from a production uh standpoint like does the insurance kick in then do they have to shut down for two weeks i mean this kind of thing can get very costly very quickly but as you said the system did work and i wish uh robert pattinson a speedy recovery hopefully he he, he doesn't come down with, with many symptoms, and um, he'll be able to get back to work, and so will the rest of the crew quickly. But this is our future, and it does show that we don't have to fear our future, that it's going – it will work. We just have to be ever, ever mindful and diligent for the time being until, well, who knows how long. But I, I actually found this to be reassuring in the sense that they're doing the people that are that these new production protocols that have been put in place and they're pretty strict. Hmm. They work. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So while some people are are uh, decrying this as being a sign that this can't work to me, I actually look and say, you know, this the, this is the system doing what it was designed to do. And, and right. I actually I take a little bit of confidence in that, that the true can be same for other productions. Question is for you guys. What do you think about this whole thing? Do you think that Robert Pattinson coming down with this is just a sign that this Batman production is doomed? Do you see this as being a real cautionary tale that people shouldn't be back in production? Do you take a more optimistic look like I do? It's like, hey, this is a sign that the system is working. What do you guys think about it? Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move on to main topic number three shall we 
And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by our friend Jonathan Lund. And Jonathan Lund writes, The marketing campaign is back underway for James Bond No Time to Die with a new trailer. I really enjoyed it, even though it showed a little bit too much. I actually didn't think it showed too much. Anyway, uh, which which I can say about most trailers nowadays, but I wanted to know what you thought of it. Also, with the film being finished for quite a while, now with the delayed release, do you think there is temptation from the director to keep tinkering with it? Thanks and have a good day. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, yesterday morning, a brand new trailer for James Bond's 007 No Time to Die. Now, look, I was a fan of the first trailer. I like the first trailer. I thought the first trailer was quite good. Got me excited. We should have had the movie already, but it is what it is. So this trailer came out. And I'm just like, well, the first trailer already kind of knocked it out of the park for me. I, I, I like, to be honest, Rob, I didn't watch this trailer till last night, even though I knew the trailer was out and even had a couple of friends of mine writing me and saying, hey, have you seen the new Bond trailer? I'm like, yeah, because the first one already knocked it out of the park. What is there left? Last night, I finally sat down and watched it. Oh my God. I love this trailer. This trailer was everything a James Bond trailer should be. Now, I'm not saying the movie is automatically going to be awesome. We've all seen great trailers for bad movies. This could be the case here. But if all we're talking about is this trailer, oh, hell yes. Hell yes. This trailer is incredible. And I absolutely loved it. Now, to the topic, though, of... Do I think that the, they're going to take the time uh, to, to even though the movie was done, to tinker with it more? I would, my guess would be probably not. You know, there comes a point in a piece of art when you've done it. Like it's done. You've got it. It's complete. And you've got to now put the brush down and walk away. Because if you don't, you'll get to a point where you actually start regressing by keep doing more and more and more. Like you climb this mountain and if you keep heading that direction, you're eventually going to go down the mountain. You know, they get the movie to the place where they feel it's done. We've got the product. This is what we're going to put in theaters. After that, I think you just got to walk away. It's kind of like when you're painting your living room. Once it's right, if you just keep putting on another coat, you can start to cause issues. So I think probably for the most part, they might look at it now and again and whatever, but I think for the most part, they lock the picture it's done. It's finished. It's ready to be released. And I thought the trailer was not so good, Rob. But I know you being the bigger Bond fan out of the two of us, I'm curious. What did you think about this new trailer? Oh, I had to change my pants. <laughs> I mean, no, I I look like you said, this was a great, a great, great trailer. And it, it really showed a lot more of the scope of the film. Um, I. I loved it. I mean, I thought it was a terrific trailer for a Bond movie. Obviously, it touched on scenes we'd seen before, but there was a lot of things that we hadn't. We'd seen that glider launch, but we didn't know it was a submarine too. I mean, that was <laughs> that was that was some that was Bondy in action at its finest. The only thing that struck me about the trailer that gives me any kind of look, I get excited for all Bond movies. I mean, and I was, I've been accused in the past of like, well, Rob, you know, the Bond franchise, even by your own admission, has been very hit and miss for you, even. And I'm like, yes, 
I, I would say that the Daniel Craig run of Bond movies, I know people love Skyfall. I'm not a big Skyfall supporter. I loved Casino Royale. But for me, the other three, or three movies have been and hit and miss. The one thing that gave me pause about this trailer, and it's given me pause about the whole Daniel Craig run, it just doesn't look like James Bond himself is having a very good time. You know, I mean, it, 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 it's very dour. It, the past has come back and 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 there's there's no there's no light hearted quips, really, at least not from Bond. I mean, you get the one line where he, she makes a comment Penny? about meeting another double O. But oh. but, it, you know, there's 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 it, it just seems so I don't know. There's no lightness in any of this. It's so dour and it's so like, oh my. And I understand that's the modern age. And that's just something that's the only thing that I I uh, would, would, that would be my only criticism. But as a trailer, my God, is this movie beautifully photographed. And it, it mm. just looks, it looks, to me, this looks incredible. And I, I cannot wait to see this film. And I, I really want to, if I was excited before, I'm doubly excited now. And I just, it's like, give it, I want it in my imagination now. And um, I hope I can go see it in a big theater because I had tickets to go to the Cinerama yes, Dome and I had my favorite seats, you know, and, and I looked at this trailer and I, I'm just, God, it does look so good. And I, I want to see it on a big, big, big screen. And oh, wow. Mm, so tasty, John. Tasty. Soon, you know, we always say around here that the what's ultimately the job of a trailer, ultimately the job of a trailer is to take your enthusiasm for a movie, no matter if it's a high enthusiasm or really low, and just bump it up a couple of notches. Yeah, I was already excited for this movie. This trailer took it even higher. And uh, I, I'm stoked about it. Question is for you guys. What did you think about the James Bond No Time to Die trailer? Did it increase your excitement? Did you not care about it? What are your thoughts on it right now? Jump down to the comment section below. And let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our fourth and final main topic today. And our fourth and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Richard Marn, who writes, Greetings and salutations. Well, greetings and salutations to you, Richard. I agree with you that The Godfather 3 gets a bit of a bad rap. Wondering if you saw that they're going to put out a Coppola director's cut of the movie with a whole new ending. Uh, isn't this director's cut trend, uh, trend getting a little out of hand? Are you curious to see it? All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, man. And yeah, for those of you who might have missed the news that came out, uh, what some people argue is the greatest trilogy of all time, the Godfather trilogy, and it's one kind of maybe sometimes unfairly maligned chapter, uh, which is, of course, The Godfather Part 3. It's getting re-released in a limited release in December as a new cut with a new ending, what they're calling Francis Ford Coppola's definitive vision of Godfather 3. Nobody was telling Francis Ford Coppola to do back when he was making Godfather 3 in the first place, but it is what it is. This is the report that comes to us from Variety that writes, Paramount Pictures will release a new edit and res uh, restoration of Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather Part 3 in theaters in December, followed by a digital and DVD debut. The film, which bowed in 1990, 30 years ago, uh, has been retitled Mario Puzo's The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. 
And we'll put a little bit of a spoiler in the title there. Uh, Paramount said Thursday that the new cut achieves the original vision that Coppola and screenwriter Mario Puzo had for the movie. Uh, so that comes to us once again from Variety. I, you, you know, we talk about this sometimes when it comes to the Godfather films. You know, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 both were nominated for and both won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Among some people in cinephile circles, the only argument in the world is, is Godfather 1 or is Godfather 2 the greatest film of all time? I mean, that's the argument amongst some people. But when it comes to Godfather Part 3, it does take a lot of heat. Now, granted, I agree that Godfather Part 3 is the weakest of the Godfather films, but I've always contended that if you take, you know, Sofia Coppola out and that character out, you are still left with a really good film, a really good film looking at Michael Corleone much later in his life. And again, and it finished the the uh, hat trick for the Godfather franchise, and it also got nominated for Best Picture. So all three films in that trilogy got nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards, which is fantastic. Listen, I'm all for this, especially when we're talking about a film, Rob, that is like 30 years old. Like, right. I, 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 I do feel like everybody's getting a hand, like, let's do everything. Let's do Joe Dirk director's cut. Like everybody wants it. Now, the man, the movie that gets put in the theater, for the most part, that's the movie. We should have said that there are some exceptions, but for like these older films, like, taking a new kind of glance at it in a what if kind of way. I'm down with that. And I've always liked this film. So I'm down. And listen, if it's bad, no problem. It doesn't replace the original Godfather three for me, which I, I still very much appreciate. And I still very much like when it's on, I stop everything I'm doing. I watch Godfather three, even the Sofia Coppola scenes, but, uh, but I'm down for this. It sounds like a neat idea to try. No harm, no foul if it turns out bad. Rob, you heard about this as a big Godfather fan yourself. What do you think about it? Well, it's really interesting. Over the last couple of years, Coppola has revisited two of his films previously. He did the Apocalypse Now final cut that came out that's sort of an amalgamation of the theatrical version and Apocalypse Now Redux, which I thought was very, very good. Then he went and revisited the Cotton Club, which had a, hor a, a very, not a horrible, but a very difficult production. And the final version really didn't represent what Coppola wanted to do. They, they really cut back on all the stories of the black characters and the actual characters that were in the Cotton Club. The musical uh, uh, spirit of the movie had been removed in favor of the gangster material and Coppola put out the Cotton Club Encore this year it came out on Blu-ray terrific I mean it really I thought it really expanded and made the film great so now this is the third film that Coppola wanted to go back and revisit like you I've always liked The Godfather 3 it's is it a perfect film no the problem I think the biggest problem with the film is that Robert Duvall doesn't come back as Tom Hagen and and that was something they they didn't want to meet his quote or whatever I understand. So that said, it was already compromised, and Winona Ryder was supposed to be the character that Sofia Coppola plays, but she suffered from exhaustion, couldn't do it. Sofia Coppola stepped in. I've heard all of that before. Yes, we all know that her relationship with Andy Garcia is a little not great, and she's of course not the greatest actress. That said, there's a lot to love in Godfather Three. The story about Michael Corleone trying to take the family legit, the whole international immobiliary thing and the the Pope and the Vatican. I love all that stuff. I really do. And 
while it's not, it doesn't reach the heights of Godfather one and two still, I find the movie to be very enjoyable. And, and Michael Corleone's final story, uh, is very riveting. And there's some beautiful set pieces, the helicopter attack in Atlantic city. And then the whole cross cutting of the end of the film where Michael takes his revenge. And I always find the end of the movie moving, but to have Coppola go back and revisit the film now, like you said, it's been around for 30 years. People know Godfather three, um, I think that we're going to get something special. And I'm really excited to see what he's done, especially based on uh, what he did for Final Cut and what he did for uh, Cotton Club Encore. I think that what we're going to see here is definitely going to be worth seeing. And as you pointed out, I mean, the film's been here for 30 years, and I've got the mm. Blu-rays of the original Godfather 3. And it's they've said in this article that they've gone back and they've done a 4K restoration of both the original version and this new this new coda cut so it's not like they're making it's not like they're supplanting the original godfather 3 right. by the way there's also two cuts of godfather 3 there's the theatrical version then there's the extended version that's been released on home video so this will be the third cut of godfather 3 and i'm excited really excited actually and the yeah. fact that it's going to come out theatrically is really cool I agree. And uh, I, I'm put me down. I'm I'm not going to say I'm jumping up and down about this, but I am curious. I'm I'm down to see this. And I certainly hope it plays in a theater near me because just to see any version of The Godfather three on the big screen again. Yes, it is the, the little lesser brother of the other two Godfather films. Yes. But uh, but I still like it. Question is, guys, what do you think about this news? Are you interested in seeing Godfather three again with a new kind of different vision, a restored version of it? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With all of that down and out of the way, we are now going to go on and start taking your live questions. Once again, guys, the way you get in a live question or comment for this part of the show is simply using the tip link that's in the top of the description of this video. That's streammoments.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show. And of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. So let's get right into it. And we're going to start off with, oh, and I've, the thing went totally out of place when I uh, moved things around. My apologies, everybody. Uh, let's see. Ben Rayner. Uh, ben Rayner writes into us and he writes, uh, hey, John, about Black Panther and Storm and love of his life. Couldn't you say Bruce had the love of his life in Incredible Hulk and Ultron Betty is gone and Bruce and Nat start to have feelings for each other? I don't have a horse in the race, so I don't care. Yeah, but that's you're pointing out an exception. It's like saying, um, like, uh, what, what's the thing? Uh, here's the th I'll use the half court shot. Uh, if you're coming down the basketball court and there's plenty of time, you shouldn't just heave up a, sh a shot from half court. It's a bad idea. And then saying, well, you know, three months ago in one of the games, uh, I saw a guy take a half court shot and went in. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you never use the exception to try to make an argument for the rule right now. Look, they can do anything they want. And by the way, they never went anywhere with that Bruce and that thing. They can do anything they want. Hell, Rob, they could find a way. That Black Panther and Supergirl get in a relationship. It's possible. They could find a way. It could have. My only thing is with here's the point with everybody talking so much about we want to see Black Panther and Storm. We want to see Black Panther and Storm. My only point is like, I don't like I did before I saw the first Black Panther, Rob, before I saw Black Panther. I was like everybody else. Yeah, I want to see Black Panther and Storm. Sure. But. Then they gave him a much better relationship. 
That relationship they set up with him and Nakia, played by the immortal Lupita Nyong'o, uh, as the true love of his life. Um, I, yeah, I mean, to me, that supplanted it. I get it in the comics, Black Panther Storm, but that's the comics. This is the MCU. They're two different things. And I love this relationship. I love this relationship so much that I even I would rather keep it than have some homewrecker and storm come in here and break things up. You know what I'm saying? Even though I love the, the Black Panther storm thing in the comics. So that's what I mean by that. Is it possible? Sure. But Black Panther and Wonder Woman are possible. But I, I think this, Rob, what, what do you what's your take on that whole thing? Well, I mean, you know, again, first of all, Lupita Nyong'o is one of the most beautiful women on the planet Earth. So I'm like, anything, I, any, if I can see more of her, yeah. But uh, again, this idea that things have to be exactly like they were or, or came exactly out of the comic books, I like the idea of, from a, I guess from an MCU standpoint, if you had characters that could have a relationship but they haven't introduced the mutants in the mcu and i think if they're going to do that it would have to be something that that would have to be set up over multiple films and that you know you'd want to watch their courtship i guess like how does black panther and storm meet if that's what you're going to do but like you said they've already set up a relationship that works and works really really well and they even retconned in the comics Storm's relationship with Black Panther. So, I, you know what? I, I I think that as long as it's well-written, I'll go either direction. I'll, I, I, but I, and I trust in what they've done. The MCU has done a very good job creating a tapestry over 23 movies. And after what I've heard about uh, the director's approach to the Eternals, I'm like more excited than ever. So I think the next two movies are going to add to that quilt. And that's all I want. Great stories, well told. All right, let's keep things moving here. Uh, next up, we have Andrew Nathan, who writes, Hey, John, I keep hearing people talk about Dune and how great of a series it is. So I'm currently in the process of buying the novels. Nice. My question is, what other novels would you recommend? I'm pretty open to all genres. Thanks. I'll be honest with you. I don't read a ton of novels. Like most of my reading, Rob, you and I were talking about this before. Most of my reading at night is like uh, business books, tech books, uh, like uh, uh, nonfiction. Like that, that's a lot of the stuff that I read both physically and on audible form. I probably do like two novels, maybe a year like that. But the one I always go back to is Shogun. James Clavell's Shogun, which so they good. did a mini series for back in the 80s. And it's tremendous. And I think in today's day and age with today's technology that you could do a, a modern uh, modern filmmakers taking a stab at Shogun would be awesome. But Rob, you you read more novels than I do. Like, what are, what would be some things that you would uh, like to see converted? Well, you know, when when somebody says I'm open to all genres, I mean that's that's a really, <laughs> I mean that's like saying I'm open to any story that's ever been written. And I do read a lot of novels. And you know, starting the thing about uh, when you're talking about genre stuff like science fiction, there is canonical novels that i would read and dune is coming out i love dune i think it's one of the great books ever written another show that's coming out the foundation which is based on osmoth's foundation trilogy and, and more those books are great too 
So if you want to read science fiction, you know, do a Google search. What are the 10 best science fiction novels? One of the most entertaining books I've ever read in my life, especially if you like things like Ready Player One, uh, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Uh, came out 30 years ago, but it's still, in my mind, one of the great cyberpunk novels ever written. That's one of the most entertaining books I've ever read. You know, if you go to, if you think about science fiction, Stephen King's The Stand, one of my favorite books I've ever read. And everyone, I know the ending isn't great. You got the miniseries coming out, the new miniseries, but I would go back and pick that up because it's wildly entertaining, that book. And I mean, I, I, I should probably make a list and put it because people are always asking me what books you should read. Another science fiction series I really like is Dan Simmons' Hyperion. Hyperion and Fall of Hyperion that were written as one book, but they were split into two. Those are great books. That's kind of a retelling of Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, but in a science fiction context. I mean, there's so many great books out there. You know, this is a totally different book, but if you like stuff like Downton Abbey or that time period – no, it's not Downton Abbey-esque, but there's a book called Impale Battalions by a guy named Robert Goddard, which is a book that wasn't normally up my alley, but I read it and I'm like, I love this book. It's so, it's really, really good. Check that out. I mean, Don, I could go on forever. All right, let's keep going here. I love Godzilla rights. What movie do you think was absolutely made for the big screen? They all were. <laughs> I mean, that's the way movies are meant to be seen. Um, for me... It's M.M. Uh, Furry. Oh, Mad Max Fury Road. I still enjoy it now, but that movie was absolutely godly in IMAX. Saw it eight times. The sound, the visuals. Oh, yeah. And the sounds again, literally orgasmic. For me, I go back to some real, again, all film is made for the big screen. I mean, that's just, just the way it's meant to be watched. That is the best experience, the way to see it. But honestly, uh, one for me is a very obvious choice. But that's the Lord of the Rings films. I mean, when you not only is it the CGI, but it's the grand sweeping cinematography of New Zealand. And the, I mean, it's just something that takes you in there. One that I'm going to mention that is going to surprise you that I'm talking about here. But when you watch this film, it's gorgeous. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin wow. Costner. It, 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 honestly, I know, it, uh, you know who, you, 730 and bring a friend. Yeah, I get that. But when you actually step behind that, Rob, and actually you watch the like the the English cinematography of the, it's it's beautiful, and it's those types of movies like with these big sweeping shots, whether it's giant epic army battles or just beautiful landscape, or whatever. To me, those ones you just—I don't care how big your stupid little TV is. I don't care how good you think your little crappy sound system at home is. To see it, you know. 50 feet wide and to see those and it's like but those are some that come to mind rob do you have one particular film when you think of it's like that's when you just that just has to be seen on the big screen well we just talked about coppola i'd say apocalypse now i mean apocalypse oh, yeah. now if you haven't but you go back and you think of things like lawrence of arabia uh terrence malick's movies whether it's days of heaven badlands his early stuff or you look at thin red line or or um uh, Tree of Life, you know, anything he's done. But there's so Ridley Scott, Blade Runner, Alien. Uh, there, there's so many films that, I mean, look, I'd rather see every movie on the big screen. <laughs> but, you know, uh, those are some. Uh, but you know what? If you love Mad Max Fury Road, The Road Warrior, another yeah. movie, even though it's low budget, seeing that on a big screen, Apocalypse, pow, man, that movie's rad on the big screen. It's so good. <laughs> 
Apocalypse file. All right, next up, an anonymous viewer writes, uh, just like the Carrie Fisher situation, I am not looking forward to weeks on end of half-baked concept ideas from every Tom, Dick, and Sally on what to do with the T'Challa character. All due respect to everybody's, to everyone's opinion. Yeah, like, to me, the only question right now that is pertinent at the moment is what is and this speaks to the importance of the character and what Chadwick Boseman was able to do with the character what is going to be Disney's just general philosophy and how to steward this legacy and to me there's two options one shelve the character of T'Challa into an honorable place and then move forward with it in a great way and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff two move forward with the T'Challa character and try to carry on the legacy and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. Now, each one of those two options then have 50 different sub-options underneath them. Okay, so if you carry on without the character T'Challa, 80 different things you could do. If you carry on with the, the, the character T'Challa, a bunch of different ways you could approach it and all that kind of stuff. These are all questions we can come to later. You know, we can get to those later. To me, that's the only, the only question right now is of the overall stewardship of the legacy. And once that question gets answered, and they are in no rush to answer that question, because one of the things that everybody forgets, you don't have to explain why is T'Challa not there in the very next MCU movie. Remember, he's king of Wakanda. If, if Disney wants to, Rob, they could take five years without right. even addressing this question. They, I mean, if they wanted to, they could literally take the next five years and just write it off that King T'Challa's in the kingdom of Wakanda taking care of Wakanda, like like the king of Wakanda and Black Panther have always done throughout human history. Uh, that's where he's off doing. And they don't need to reference him, talk about him. They don't even have to approach the question. Now, I think they will, because I think, again, these culturally, the, the, the character Black Panther has become so important. So I think they will, but really they don't even have to answer those. And to me, that's the only question right now. It's not, oh, which character takes up the, the mantle of Black Panther or, oh, which actor will take over for Chadwick Boseman to carry on to Chadwick. Th those aren't the questions we ask right now. The, the only question that I have that I'm curious about is what is Disney's philosophy on the stewardship of this legacy going to be? Are they going to go left or are they going to go right? And they got a lot of time to answer that. So I, I, I personally don't feel any press. And you know what? I don't see a lot of people pressing on it. Now, Rob, it was different with Carrie Fisher. Because on top of everything else with Carrie Fisher, who we had had as, as our princess for 40 years and, and whatever. But on top of all that was the pressure that we had another movie coming that was already written with her. And was, I mean, so it, it I think that understandably made a lot of people feel like we had to address the question more in depth quickly. But I don't think Disney's in that situation right now. Do you? No. I mean, look, they've announced that they're making a Black Panther too, but they don't even necessarily have to. Uh, they've got a lot. They've got a lot going on. Black Widow is a prequel. Uh, the Eternals is introducing a whole new concept and all new characters in, in into the universe. And, you know, they've got Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They've got Thor, Love and Thunder. They got the Madness, the Multiverse of Madness coming out. They don't even necessarily have to get back to Wakanda for a very long time, like you just pointed out. 
Yeah, they've got time. They got a lot of time to figure this out. All right. Uh, next up, uh, we've got an, uh, from Anonymous again writing. Hey, John, after watching the Batman's trailer multiple times, I decided to rewatch two of David Fincher's classics, Zodiac and Seven. Any recommendations to any movies adjacent to these classics? Uh, please include foreign movies if you can. Well, I mean, to me, when I think of the great like thriller, the great kind of mystery thriller kind of stuff. I always go back to my all-time favorite cop movie, which is Infernal Affairs. Um, for those of you who don't know about it, it's the film that uh, Martin Scorsese's remake, The Departed, is made. The Departed is a direct remake of Infernal Affairs, which is an Asian film. Um, beyond that, something else in, the, in that vein. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't think off the top of my head. Rob, what, what would you suggest something in the vein of Seven and, uh, and Zodiac? Well, you know, Bong Joon-ho, who directed Parasite, made yep. a movie called Memories of Murder, which is based on a true story of these cops pursuing a serial killer in Korea. And it's a Korean film. It's subtitled, but it's really good. And interestingly enough, this uh, spoiler alert, the murder was never solved uh, that they're dealing with. But like Zodiac, but like last year, which is, I don't know, three decades later, they figured it out. But Memories of Murder is still a really, really good movie. And if you liked Parasite, uh, the direction is is wonderful. And it's easier to find than it was when I first looked for it. But that's that's the kind of movie. And I'll tell you something else. This is, this is not a great movie. But <laughs> there is a serial killer movie that Russell Mulcahy, who directed Highlander, directed that stars Christopher Lambert. And, and um, I'm trying to think of the movie. Are you talking about the Sicilian? No, no, no. It's a serial killer cop thriller. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, it's, it's, I want to say it's called The Sacrifice or something. Just look up Russell Mulcahy and, and, and but it's, it's like an MTV version of Seven. <laughs> it's, it's, I liked it. By the way, not the as, not quite as, not quite as good as Seven or stuff like that. But there's another one that I don't think gets its due. It's Morgan Freeman and Ashley Judd in Kiss oh, the yeah. Girls. Uh, I thought Kiss the Girls. I, I mean, Along Came a Spider, the sequel was all right, but I really quite like Kiss the Girls. So that yeah, might be up your alley as well. Based on the Patterson Alex Cross novels. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's, I like that movie a lot, actually. Yeah, I enjoy a, it too. It's got a good twist, too. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Romolo writes. Howdy, Senor Campia. I haven't noticed you cover any news on the Scream movie coming out next year. No, we, we've talked about the Scream once or twice. Not much, though. There's not much to talk about, to be honest with you. Um, uh, coming out uh, next year. They start shooting next month and added Jack Quaid to the casting list. What are your thoughts on this casting and Scream series as a whole? I'll be honest with you, and, and everybody gets mad when I say it. I am, I'm actually not. I don't care that much about the Scream series. I thought the first one was pretty good. Um... I don't think it's a classic like a lot of people think. Like, I think it's, it's a clever movie. I liked it. It's kind of a play on the horror genre. I thought I thought a much better movie than Scream that tries to kind of do the same thing that Scream does is the independent film we've heard us talk about here before, uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. I think that's a vastly superior kind of Scream movie to Scream. And I was never big on any of the follow-up films. So to be honest, to me, it's a dead franchise. To me, it's a dead franchise. So I really don't, I, I admittedly personally don't care that much about the Scream franchise. That said, uh, Jack Quaid, who is the son of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan, he is also Huey on The Boys. Uh, that's interesting. That That's interesting. 
Um, but anyway, yeah, Rob, what are your thoughts overall on the Scream franchise? Uh, you know what? I thought that the first Scream was not only a great meta deconstruction of horror films, but it was I also... It. Uh, I, I thought it was a great horror film in its own right. I really like the, the fact that two serial killers working in tandem, especially the uncut version, I really love the first Scream. But I think the, the, the franchise suffered, as any horror franchise suffers, as from success when they keep having to make another one and another one and another one and another one. But I, I mean, I, I'm fond of the franchise as a whole simply because I think the first film is so good. I just think that the other films stretch credulity. Same with the Saw franchise. I think actually the first three Saw movies are a great trilogy. People don't talk about it, but the first three Saw films are – I think a really solid trilogy of movies, but then they keep making them and they keep making them and they keep making them. But, but hey, I listen, like Scream. You, Jack Quaid, though, is a guy to keep an eye on. I, I, I think he brings something to that role of Huey like so good because he can be vulnerable and yet at times like turn it up the emotionality of the character and all that kind of stuff. And he plays opposite uh carl urban so well and i haven't even seen any of season two yet but uh, he is definitely an eye to keep a guy to keep an eye on so that's definitely an interesting he's also one of the primary voices on star trek lower decks i did not know that i haven't watched a single episode that's just nothing about it appeals to me i just who knows maybe i'll maybe it'll be the same thing as harley quinn and all doesn't appeal to me but then i'll watch the first one and maybe i'll love it i don't know but it just it doesn't look just does not look good to me. All right, let's move on here. Uh, thanks a lot for that, Romolo. All right, next up, Trev writes, thanks for being an escape. Oh, you're welcome, man. I work as a school counselor in British Columbia. I love British Columbia, uh, which can be very heavy. I listen to your show every day, and it helps to relax after a, any difficult day of working with mental, with mental health. Keep up the awesome work. Well, that's, first of all, dude, thank you for doing what you do. You are contributing to our culture and our society so much by what you do so that is awesome and thank you for being here and being a part and it is our you know rob and i talk about this a lot it is absolutely our privilege to be here and to talk with uh, our fellow film fan community about all the things that we love so i'm glad that that can be a part for you as well trev so thanks for sharing your thoughts and enjoy dbc my friend my wife and i want to take a trip up there very shortly we want to get up to alberta and bc as a matter of fact it's like just some of the most it's god's country man like bc might be like the most beautiful place on earth, certain places. So, and I'm a, I, that's coming from an East Coast boy. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Toronto area kid. So, for me to say that about the West Coast, that's saying something. But yeah, it might be one of the most beautiful places in the world. All right, Campy Z Legitimate Sunrise. I doubt Michael B. Jordan will be in Marvel again at this point, but what are the chances that you think Warner Brothers will scoop him up in the in the future for a DC movie? Uh, what percentages are we talking here, if you had to guess? I'd love to see if, it, if the fit rests right. It's the same as any movie. Honestly, it's going to be the same as any movie. Warner Brothers will make a movie. They'll think about who would be good for certain roles, and if it happens to be Michael Jordan, they'll look at Michael Jordan. It, it's just the same as anything else. The DC movies will be treated no different. No different. They'll make a movie. If they think, then they'll look at who could be potentially a good cast. If Michael B. Jordan is one of those, and he is truly like truly one of the gifted actors of our generation, then they'll look at him. And if not, they won't. But I don't really care. I, and I say I don't care because I don't care. Would I like to see Michael B. Jordan in a DC movie? Well, and all the other things being equal, sure. But whatever DC movie they do, I want them to get the best person for the role. 
And if that's not Michael B. Jordan, then I don't want it to be Michael B. Jordan. I'd rather see Michael B. Jordan go and do another movie where he is the best person for that role. Um, and so chances, I don't know, 10%, 10%, I guess. Uh, again, it, to me, I, I, I wouldn't be like, hey, you know what? This actor is perfectly suited for that role. But let's get Michael B. Jordan instead. I mean, it's not like it would be a big loss because Michael B. Jordan's a great actor. As long as it's a great actor, I'm totally good. But all other things being equal, yeah, I, I don't know, I 10%. Rob, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, look, I, I like if, if a great actor, like I love Michael B. Jordan, is given a, a, a role, you know, anywhere, and it's well-written and well-directed, and they, I'm all for it. But as far as whether they're going to be in the DCEU or – I think actors, maybe, they're all looking for good roles. And I, I, I think that, you know, this, there's this weird thing that, like, well, if you've been in an MCU movie, you can't be in another superhero movie. I mean, that's like saying if you played a cop in a movie, you can't play a cop in another movie. And I, I, I think, you know, Michael B. Jordan was – Killmonger was not front and center. He was the villain, but he, he didn't lead – and if you wanted to do a superhero franchise at a different studio and put him as the lead, I could see that happening. Well, dude, he's already done it. He's Johnny Storm. Well, right. I mean, right. So, so but and that was when it was over at another studio. He's as done a Chris superhero. Yeah, as was Chris <laughs> Evans. So you know, he did a superhero count? movie for one studio in one universe. He did a superhero movie with another studio in another verse. I can't think of any actors off the top of my head who have done it in three. So like we like Chris Evans. Uh, Idris Elba has been in multiple uh, multiple uh, comic book universes. Yep. Um, uh, obviously, Michael B. Jordan. We we actually there's a list of them. We came up. I I mean, I don't Idris know Elba's I can... in Suicide Squad, and he was yeah. a, he was Heimdall. You know, he, he isn't he, 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 he can, he's he's crossing over in universes now. He was also in The Losers, which isn't right. granted is not a superhero thing, but it's a comic book based. But property. it's a comic and, book movie. No, look, I could see like. I, I would love to see Michael B. Jordan as John Stewart leading the Green Lantern Corps. I would love that. I mean, it, yeah, but I guess my point is it doesn't have to be Michael B. Jordan. Like, all right. I ever care about is do you get a, the right actor, a good actor in the role? That's all I care about. And then if it's a talented actor, which clearly Michael B. Jordan is, if it's a talented actor, then I just trust the casting director and the director to know out of all the good actors – Who's the best fit? Because you and I won't know that because we haven't read the script. Sure. We don't know what it is they're going for. As fans, we don't know. And so that's why all I care about, is it a good actor? Uh, but Michael B. Jordan is one of the great ones of this generation right now. Make no mistake about it. Like going all the way back to Fruitvale Station. Hell, go all the way back to The Wire. Go all the way back to The Wire to see that he Friday is Night something Lights. special. I loved him in the TV series Friday Night Lights. All right, next up. Uh, Fifty Shades of Geek writes, uh, fun fact, in The Princess Bride, when Wesley is fighting Fezzik, Fezzik asks, why are you wearing a mask? He replies, they're terribly comfortable. I think everybody will be wearing them in the future. Interesting. I don't think that was anything prophetic, Fifty Shades, to be honest. I don't think there was anything prophetic about that or making commentaries I see in the future of the boom of the comic book genre. I just thought it was a great, funny joke. And by the way, there is, Rob, I don't know if you've seen it. There's an HBO uh, documentary on Andre the Giant. I did see I, it. Oh, my God. He was truly a special dude. He was truly a special dude. And his his story is both 
heartwarming and heartbreaking I know. all at the same time. And but one of the funniest, I mean, I've told this story before. Um, there, there are two stories and, and Hogan tells one of them. Jake the Snake Roberts tells the other. Hogan tells this one great story, speaking of Fezzik, about how you have to understand, including me, Hulk Hogan said, everybody was scared of Andre. Everybody was scared of Andre. He wasn't just some big guy that looked good in a wrestling ring. He was truly a titan. And everybody was afraid of him. And he said for there was a period of time when he didn't like Randy. Uh, he was obviously talking about Randy Macho Man Savage. There was a period of time that for whatever reason, like he 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 was not. Uh, there were also periods that Andre loved Randy. But there was there was a period of time when he was not. Randy was not his favorite person. And like Randy Savage didn't give a flying F about what anybody thought of him at any time. He was one of the man, you know, in, in the business at the time. But like if Andre was in the locker room first and doing something. Randy would come in the rock, come in the rock room, and all you'd hear is Andre goes, "Randy, get out!" And Randy would immediately turn around and leave the room because it's Andre the Giant. But one of the one of my other favorites is, it's in Montreal, Quebec. They they are doing a show there, and I was either Jake Roberts telling the story or was or was Tahunga telling the story. I can't remember which, but anyway. Um, and he said, you know, Andre would always get guys wanting to pick something with him because he's like under the giant. So tough guys always think, oh, I'm going to go you know, pick on this guy a bit. And Andre would like never respond. So these guys pull up in front of the bar. It's a quiet little neighborhood in Montreal. And these guys come in and they start razzing on Andre and giving him a hard time. And like, oh, you're nothing. You're just a big fat blah, blah, blah. And he said, Jake, I think it was Jake saying this. So the rest of us just like, just thinking to ourselves, you guys better shut up. So finally, Andre doesn't say a thing. He gets up, walks outside, and throws their car over. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh! which is just like, I mean, but, but all the stories, like whenever you hear stories about him, like if you hear Billy Crystal tell stories about Andre on set and stuff like that. And uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. If you get me going on Andre or on Princess Bride or whatever, I just start start going on that stuff um, an awful lot. But anyway, thanks for that Fifty Shades. It's just you got me going on that. All right, author writes: If theaters are opening in California, does that mean the movies the movie will be on drive-ins as well? Well, obviously you're talking about Tenant. For those of you who know what he's talking about, uh, Warner Brothers set out a rule that if your town does not have movie theaters open, then it cannot play at a drive-in. So there are, I think San Diego, I think is the only place right now in California. There might be one or two other counties, but San Diego is now opening its movie theaters. Technically, that means Tenet can play in drive-ins in and around San Diego, but not in Los Angeles. So no, for the, for the vast majority of California, no. Rob, have you heard anything different other than that? Nope. Yeah. So as far as we know, uh, San Diego, and if you live in San Diego, you can see in a theater, and according to Warner Brothers rules, since the theaters are open there specifically, then they can go ahead and uh, open them in movie theaters as well. All right. Let's see. Well, hey, Mr. J writes, going to the movies is one of my favorite things, but my wife and I are high risk. I live with my 80 plus year old in-laws. I have a young daughter. I absolutely cannot go anywhere, but I'm stoked for Milan on Friday. I hope Black Widow does the same so I can see it. Uh, you know me. I, I don't want Black Widow going to 
streaming at all. I want it to be in a theater. But don't worry, if you can't go to a theater right now, it'll be on streaming soon enough. So you'll get it's the best of both worlds. It's a win win for everybody. Um, But no, listen, somebody wrote in the other day that was in a very similar situation to yourself that they uh, they live with parents that are older and they're because, you know, people who are older are higher risk when it comes to covid and stuff like that. And whereas I always say, hey, listen, just take precautions. But if I was living with my parents right now, I, I, I think how I conduct myself would be even more strict. And even though I felt very safe going to the movie theater, I thought it was a very safe, very comfortable environment that I went to safer than the grocery store. I'll be honest with you, Rob, if I was living with my parents right now who are older, I don't know that I'd be going to the movie theater. I don't know that right. I'd be going anywhere. I don't know that I'd be going anywhere right now because even though I'm lowering the risk a lot by how I conduct myself, it's still a risk. And if I get it, I'll probably be fine. I mean, The Rock, you know, Dwayne Johnson had it and he said he, him and his wife had a rough couple of weeks, but they came through it. I would probably be fine. But yeah, I think I would conduct myself a lot different. I, I might just seal myself in the house if I was living with my parents. I know, Rob, how would you approach that? I, I feel the same way. I, I mean, if I was living with my mom's 81 years old, you know, she just had surgery on her leg. Um, she's in really, really good physical condition, but I, I wouldn't. Why put people at risk? I mean, we're still in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, it's still spreading cases, especially in this country, like in the Midwest are rising. There's outbreaks that can come out all the time still. And uh, why, why not just be careful? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's again, it's I I'm all for the notion of let's all look, you can still do things. Just be careful, be cautious and lower the risk. But again, if if I was living with if I if I were you, dude, uh, Mr. Mr. Well, hey, Mr. J, I think you're doing the right thing. I, I, I really do. All right. Koa, when I, 1708 writes, I'm assuming you like Kim's convenience. I freaking love Kim's convenience. Uh, Ann and I are almost done season four now. I We just started watching this like a month ago. We're almost done season four. I cannot believe it's taken me this long to find out about the show and discover its greatness. I'm not saying it's The Office and Parks and Rec, but it's up close to that level for me. I'm not kidding. Like The Office and Parks and Rec are shows that I know I can turn on on Netflix and then play roulette. I can go to any random episode and watch it and know I'm going to have a good time and know I'm going to laugh. Kim's Convenience is just like that. I love this show. Appa is one of my favorite characters on television right now. Uh, Simu Liu, who is um, uh, the, the, one of the main characters on Kim's Convenience, is our new Shang-Chi. This show is amazing anyway i'm assuming you like kim's convenience since you binged through it i love the series as well i try to recommend it to people it also makes me want to visit toronto it does it's funny how many people i've turned onto this show rob and then they all ultimately say to me i really want to go see toronto i'm like yes you do it's honestly and this this hurts as a hamilton kid you have to understand hamiltonians (laughs) torontonians don't like each other very much two cities only about 45 minutes apart (laughs) but i gotta tell you toronto other Hamilton is the greatest city in the world, but for a major metropolitan, Toronto's the best city in the world. As a major metropolitan, Toronto really and that hurts as a Hamiltonian to say that, but it really is the greatest city in the world. Rob, have you ever had a chance to visit uh, TO, to visit Toronto? 
Dude, I have been I've been to Calgary, I've been to Edmonton, I've been to Winnipeg. I've never been to Toronto. Really? I've always, I've always wanted to go. I can't believe I haven't been there. I've been to Montreal. Montreal's a pretty Montreal's, damn good city too. Montreal's I, awesome. I love visiting Montreal. I just haven't been to Toronto and I've always wanted to go and I'll tell you Kim's convenience I keep I keep it's one of those shows I keep running across that people talk about and I, I always forget about it because the title I, I don't know why but is it like Letter Kenny like I started watching Letter Kenny and I yeah I got sucked in <laughs> you know what's and funny I just watch it over and over and over again here's the thing so um, Tom was over here at my place the other night of course Aaron uh, Cummings and her husband Tom so Aaron and Tom were over here the other night and. We started, Aaron starts saying, so what's with this show, Kim's Convenience, I keep hearing you talk about? So Tom said the exact same thing. Tom was like, dude, you turned me on to Letterkenny and I binged the whole damn thing. And I'm like, I think this is better than Letterkenny. It's a very different kind of show. Yeah. But it's all you have to do is watch the first scene of the pilot episode. Because I had I had Aaron and Tommy. I said, tell you what, we're just going to put on the three minute cold open of the of episode one and it's appa mr kim of his, and his convenience store that's why it's called kim's convenience he runs a little yeah. convenience store it's him with during pride Re week in toronto and two guys come in asking mr kim if they can hang up their poster for pride week and it's all about him mr kim talking about the gay talking about the gay and how he has the gay discount i have pride week only 15 percent it is once you watch that first three minute scene you will understand the texture of the show and it never lets up after that it's it's fabulous it's fantastic you absolutely guys guys check out kim's convenience it really is one of the best things on television anyway uh okay let's keep rolling here uh, Brandon writes, um, hey, John, did you see the interview that John Boyega did with GQ where he criticized Disney slash Lucasfilm handling of their black character of their of the their black character? Finn saying you guys knew what to do with Daisy Ridley and Adam Driver when it came to me, you know, F all thoughts. Listen, I I don't like getting into the bullshit like, oh, this actor's unhappy about something. I really don't care about this TMZ shit, to be honest with you. You guys know I love John Boyega. You know, uh, going all the way back to his performance in Attack the Block and everything else. He was so good in Detroit. I love John Boyega. He, he gave a shout out to one of my shows. I mean, so of course, I'm a big fan of John Boyega and I'm a little bit biased there. And this is what I said the other day, Rob. I said the other day, look, I'm always going to give John Boyega the benefit of the doubt. And maybe if I read it through a little bit more and I sit on it for a few days, I very well could change my opinion on this later. So I totally reserved the right to change my opinion. When I read it, I was kind of like, come on, John. Like, Adam Driver was the villain of the series. Love or hate the series. He was the villain of the series. Of course he's gonna be front and center. Daisy Ridley is the Jedi of the series. Of course, she's going to be front and center is Star Wars. And everybody kind of acknowledges that one of the big problems with Star Wars. And, and I, I love the Phantom Menace and I like the last Jedi and well, Rise of Skywalker, but not so much. But 
everybody acknowledges, those who hate it, those who love it, all acknowledge that their inability to set an overall direction for that franchise from day one, which is totally Kathleen Kennedy's responsibility, but their inability to set an overall long-term plan for what that trilogy was going to be when they started is one of, if not the primary weakness of what this Star Wars franchise was. So for Boyega to point out that it felt like they didn't know what to do with my character. Well, guess what? For people like me who watched The Rise of Skywalker, it felt like they didn't know what to do with the entire thing. And you you can say, Boyega, that they knew what to do with Daisy. Uh, fuck no, they didn't. Palpatine's granddaughter all of a sudden out of nowhere. They didn't. They, they were winging it with that character as much as they were winging it with the others. And... My my one and again I I'm not hardcore on this because I could feel very differently about this a week from now like if I if I read through what he wrote some more and maybe I'll feel differently about this later, but my first thing about reading Boy's comments is John you're forgetting this isn't about you, it's you are there to serve a character, and for him to even say the words you didn't know what to do with me that's the word me. And when I was reading through it, I just got a lot of sense of me, 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 me. And it's, it's like, John, you're, you're playing a character and it's the filmmaker's character and you are there to serve that character and to play that character, just like any actor. And, you know, I, I, I get a little bit frustrated when I hear, like, even with actors that I really love, like a Vince Vaughn or a John Boyega or whatever, I get a little bit frustrated when I when I hear them kind of making it about themselves. Um, but again, I think there's a bigger scope. John Boyega is a very thoughtful, calculated, um, he's very passionate, but people misinterpret his passion for being kind of off the cuff, and he's not off the cuff. He's very calculated, he's very thoughtful, he's very smart. Um, so I don't know. I, I need to look at it a little bit more. Rob, Rob, did you have any kind of impressions when you read about that? Well, you know, look, I, I felt that when they introduce his character in The Force Awakens, it's really it's an interesting character, a former stormtrooper that has a crisis of conscience and leaves. I, I really felt that his character had an interesting trajectory, but he became, as you put it, a jobber. You know, they they never developed his character. They didn't. They didn't create a triumvirate uh, of uh, – I thought Poe Dameron was underdeveloped as well. You know, they had this great relationship, and, and I really wanted to see the two of them do more. And I, I think John Boyega's character development was sort of curtailed. It was set up in Force Awakens, and he was a valuable – his relationship with Daisy Ridley and everything. And then in the latter two films, he basically was a generic hero – and they didn't do anything with him. And he's a fantastic actor. And I would have been frustrated too. You know, everybody nowadays talks about inclusion and all that. And they, you know, he had to deal with the slings and arrows of, wait a minute, a black stormtrooper? Blah, 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 blah. When, and yet they never did anything with his character over two other movies. And I, I would have been like bummed out myself. But see, that's where I would disagree and I would argue. They tried to do something with his character. It's just what they did didn't work. Like they tried to give... In, like, I like The Last Jedi, but the big thing I didn't like about it was the whole Finn and Rose side adventure. 
right? Now, well, yeah. to, to their credit, they tried to give him his own um, mission, his whole own part of the movie. It just wasn't good. It was it was just bad, unfortunately. But, but they they tried to give him his own screen time apart from Daisy Ridley, apart from Oscar Isaac. They were making him the star for those sections of the thing. It was just bad. And I would say this, Rob. I think they royally, especially once you get into the rise of Skywalker, they fucked up the uh, Ray and and uh, Kylo characters far more. Well, like I thought they totally screwed up those characters far more than they did any of the other characters once they got into Rise of Skywalker. But I don't know. I mean, there's they, look, there's I, and, and also I don't like the idea of uh, call me a traditionalist, I suppose. The reality is here. We don't know if a lot of people would know John Boyega's name right now if it wasn't for Star Wars. He had attacked the block, which was great. And so a lot of people in very tight film circles knew who he was, this upcoming dude. He's got all the talent in the world. But there's a lot of actors with a lot of great talent that never get that break. To, I don't know, like, if if I'm a filmmaker, whenever, and I, talk, I talked about this with Vince Vaughn uh, as well, that, about that one film too. If I'm a filmmaker and then, Later, you just shit talk what we did and the work that I did as well and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It makes me, number one, feel a little thrown under the bus by you because we were supposed to be in this together. And if, hey, if I failed, whatever. But it also makes me hesitate about whether I'd want to work with that person later on because now every other filmmaker is going to look at, I believe, a Vince Vaughn or a John Boyega and go, I mean, we could work with you. But we don't know if, like, you clearly don't have any sort of personal rules about not throwing people you work with under the bus. So I I don't know if in a year from now you're going to be crap talking me a year from now. So I I, I don't know. I just – it's well, a tough situation though. I wasn't there. That's the thing. I wasn't there. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's I, I think you bring up a good point. You know, if, if you sign on to something – I think you do have an obligation to support it. And the way he was talking about it was harsh. And I think that you could address these issues in a more constructive and professional way. I think it's easy to Monday morning quarterback after six years when fans have said certain things. I mean, you know, uh, I, I get it. And I'm very critical of things, too, after the fact. But if you've worked with somebody, especially all your other the crew, the crew busted their ass for you, you know, and, and, and you might not like the final product, but while you were working on it, that crew busted their ass and everybody busts their ass on stuff. And I think that when you come out and then just say, well, but we did a bunch of, I didn't like the work or whatever you, you're also, you're denigrating the people, the hundreds, if not thousands of people that stood behind the work that was done and still gave it their all. And look, it's one thing to, to criticize the finished product. Like, we do that a lot. But to criticize the product that, that, that you were making with all of the people that were doing their best, I think that's bad taste. Yeah, and listen, you and I have not had to live with all the bullshit 
that right. he has had to John Boyega has had to take and listen to and all that kind of stuff. And True like that. and so so like hey, I can sit here and say, well, I think John Boyega shouldn't have said this, or I think you should have said that. That's super easy for me, because I'm a fucking nobody sitting behind a mic in my spare bedroom. I mean, that's that's easy for me. So who knows the, the type of thing? And he may have just had enough, you know, and and but but again, I, I think he's just gotta be I think he's got to be cautious. I think he's got to be careful. And uh, because, you know, I've worked with a lot of people over the years. And sometimes some of them weren't so good. I've never. I, I If somebody can point out to me a situation where this is not true, fine. I have never publicly got on. I've never in any public forum talked shit about people that I've worked with. Um. And I, I, I think partially because whether somebody succeeds or fails or what they do, they tried. And I just don't want anybody like if you saw me, Rob, constantly talking crap about all the people that I worked with, you'd probably be a little more hesitant about wanting to get involved with me on anything that we Absolutely. do. Because who knows if in a year or two, I'm just going to be talking shit about you. I just think it's I don't know. It's uh, but again, I'm not in that situation. I may feel one. I may do a complete 180 on this in six days. I, I don't. Yeah. I, so I, I don't know. It's a tough situation. All right. Let's move on here. Next up. Uh, we've got who are we talking about here? We're talking about Sam Atkins writes. Hey, John, been watching the show daily for a couple of months and finally started tipping. Well, thanks so much, Sam. Appreciate you supporting the show, dude. Uh, this is really cool getting to interact with you. My question is, for you is, I haven't seen a lot of people talking about Shang-Chi. We were just talking about Shang-Chi. Um, but as, an old, as a fan of old Japanese samurai films, uh, and I am not really familiar with the character. So I was wondering what you had to say about the movie and the character, and are you excited for it? Thanks so much for being my favorite show. Well, listen, I'll tell you what, I've gotten a lot more excited about since watching Kim's Convenience, because now, I got, I, now I've seen the work of the guy who's, who's playing Shang-Chi. Listen, there's a, there's a classic motif in the story of Shang-Chi, a guy who idolizes his father later to find out that his father is not what he thought he was. A father with an unbelievably racist name, but it is what it is. And I'm sure they'll find some way to nav navigate that. Um, he was a part of the Defenders. He was a part of the Avengers for a while. I I have read a little bit of Shang-Chi in other titles. But I, I, haven't, I don't know a lot about the full history of Shang-Chi, though, to be honest with you, other than the, the general outline of the character. Rob, what would you say to somebody who asked you, why, why should I be excited about this Shang-Chi project? Because it's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm like, first of all, like I, I loved Master of Kung Fu. You know, when Doug mentioned Paul Gulesi were drawing, it was. I, I, I mean, how do you not get excited about? Like, I, I love martial arts movies. Growing up, I love watching dudes beat on other dudes using their uh, their ancient technique, fighting techniques, and I think I, I think that um, you know, I guess. I guess having read those comics, I was I was really into them. I really I really liked them, you know, uh, growing up. And I think that character, it's like you talking about Infernal Affairs. I love Infernal Affairs. I will watch any Chinese crime thriller, you know, triads, whatever, cops going after. Show me, give me John Woo's hard boiled, you know, or or I I love that area of the world. 
Uh, it's obviously a different culture than the United States. They do things differently. There's it's it's a much older, more ancient culture than we are. So there's traditions. I find the whole milieu interesting, and I think that we're we're going to see things that we haven't seen before in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to be delving into a part of the world that we've only seen fleetingly in scenes in the Marvel Universe. So and it's just going to be new and different and interesting. And I want to see a dude beat the shit out of other dudes. <laughs> and girls using his fists, you know, not necessarily superpowers, but I want to see some well choreographed, awesome hand to hand combat with with fabulous clothes, exotic locales and dare I say it, hot Asian girls. Come on. What's not to love? All right. Let's move on here. Willow writes. It was great seeing Scott Mance on your show the other day and hilarious when he ignored you for calling him Rob. I kept, I kept, it was, it's muscle memory. It's reflex. I kept, so, Rob, what do you think? And it was actually it was Scott. Um, uh, do you know anyone who's more knowledgeable about movie release dates than him? He's very good at release dates. Dude. Rob is also really good at release dates. Uh, I but am you know, I I'm horrible at them. You know, I, I, I can tell you a year, but Scott Mance, like, he, he knows what month. You know, yeah. one day, I just know years. <laughs> but, yeah, it it was crazy because I've I've got Rob in my doc, or I've got uh, even he's not here, and I'm still calling him Rob. Uh, <laughs> Scott actually appears in my documentary, and it was funny because when I was interviewing him, we would uh, bring up certain things. He goes, "Well, in October of 1976, uh, blah, blah," and, and like everything comes with a date, right? It is crazy how how good he is with actual release dates. It's true. All right. Uh, let's see here. Next up, that who was that? That was Willow. Hold on a second. Uh, yeah, there we go. Next up, uh, Ram Z twenty eight writes. How's it going, John? I know Disney just announced a release date for Mandalorian, but we still have any word on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Do you think it's delayed due to filming restrictions, interference with Black Widow, Eternal, or a bit of both? Oh, I don't. I don't. Honestly, personally, it's very, very possible. Rob, we've talked about this before that. You know, eternal the connection to the movie stuff could be a player. That is a possibility. Yeah. I don't think that's what it is. I think it just has more to do with the fact that they haven't been able to finish finish up this show. I, I they just haven't been able to finish it. Unlike right. say Mandalorian, that for the most part was pretty much done before everything got bad. Uh, so everything since then has just been post production. That's not the case. So I think that's more more the case. I do think we'll find out a release date relatively soon. Like, I think by October, by, by, I think by Halloween, we will know a release date for Falcon and Winter Soldier. But I personally, even though it could be the connection stuff, I think it has more to do with COVID. Rob, what do you think? I, I think you're right, too. I think it has more to do with, with COVID. Although I do think that there is an element of all of this stuff being interconnected. But I think mostly it really is it is, it is COVID. I really think that that's 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 what it is and everything has kind of been pushed back all right next up we've got jim k who writes hey john i just watched two great documentaries tonight that i cannot recommend enough first uh first was class action park i've heard that that's pretty good i talked to a friend of mine yesterday who said they actually that liked so it. Bad. <laughs> uh, and the second was you cannot kill david arquette i can't recommend these enough they are completely different stories both great i i'm not familiar with the documentary about david arquette though but i'll tell you rob david arquette was probably the first i'm gonna guess the first celebrity in la that i got to meet because my first trip to los angeles 
I was already doing the movie blog. And when I got to LA, I came to stay in LA for a month or two. And I got reached out to by David Arquette's publicist who said, hey, David heard you're in town. I had no idea David Arquette even knew who I was. And he's got a screening of his new horror movie. I think it's called uh, The Tipper or the, the Tripper where the killer has the Ronald Reagan masks. Anyway, The Tripper, something like that. And uh, he was doing a screening at Hollywood Forever Cemetery and was kind of doing a premiere there and, and wants to know if you'd like to come. And I'm like, yes. Now, part of the reason was I also had a massive, massive celebrity crush on his wife at the time, Courtney Cox. But I'm like, yeah. And I got to go and like my first like picture with a celebrity in L.A. was with with me and David Arquette. And he couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been a, a nicer guy uh, when I met him. And uh, and yeah, but I don't know anything about this documentary. Do you know anything about either of these two documentaries? I've seen. Well, yeah, the the one is about this inc- this crazy theme park that was not safe at all, <laughs> you know. And and the other, he deals with going into being a wrestler. David Arquette doing pro wrestling and stuff. Right. And it looks oh, yes. it looks crazy. By the way, I have to tell you a story. The first celebrity that I met in L.A. when I moved first moved here was Courtney Cox. Really? And, uh, it was, I'll tell you and how I'm I met jealous. Her. So I went to Bank of America to use an ATM, and it was on Beverly Boulevard, right across the street from the Beverly Center, right across the street from the Hard Rock uh, Cafe. And I there was there was a woman standing at the um, ATM, and she was doing the, and then I was behind her, and she turns around, and I'm like, oh my God, you're Courtney Cox from Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, and she was very nice, very, by the way, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. This was 19, this was the summer of 1988. And, you know, we chatted. I, I just thought it was cool to meet. She was the first celebrity I met in LA at the ATM. So that was pre Ace Ventura. If it was, like, when did the first Ace Ventura yes. come out? Yes, it was pre Ace Ventura, it was pre everything. I just recognized her. You know, it was Robert Duncan McNeil who went on Voyager later, and then um, it was her. And the only reason, you know, I, it was a fantasy film, and I knew who was in it, and and it was just so funny. And it was so funny because you know now you see her, and because of Friends, and because of a, it, she, it, back then, I mean, she was like, you know, right out of high school kind of thing. <laughs> yes. Just, but it was funny. <laughs> and she of course, thought it was funny. I re- re- recognized her. The uh, Dancing know, in the Dark music video with Bruce Springsteen. That's yep. where a lot of people knew her from. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, the Wakandan Forever writes, uh, just real quick, John, during the past couple of shows and the discussions and tributes to King T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, you just get, John. I think you must have been uh, Wakandan in another life. Love you, man. Wakanda Forever. Oh, thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. And yeah, like we have talked a lot about the passing of Chadwick Boseman and what he meant and, and, and like the we lament the great art from him we're never going to get and we celebrate the great art from him that we did get and these great figures he brought to life for a lot of people both fictional and real life um is uh is a testimony and a legacy that he leaves behind thank you so much for that wakanda forever i appreciate that uh gq writes back in the 90s when i was maybe 17 i watched the movie my left foot oh so good with Daniel Day-Lewis. I think he won an Academy Award for that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, on the airplane when I was first introduced to Daniel Day-Lewis, and I honestly and really thought that he was just a really handicapped person playing the role. Just how good is he? L- Rob, listen, I everybody throws around term goat all the time, way too much about way too many things. Daniel Day-Lewis is the goat. 
He is the he is the Bret Hart of acting. He is the best there is, the best there was, the best there's ever going to be. Um, <laughs> it's it's he's, he's the only actor that as soon as he appears in a film, it's just an assumption that he's going to get a best pick, at, at minimum a best actor nomination. He would only do like one movie every three years. He was very picky about what he would do. Then he'd go home and cobble shoes. Um, but he could. It didn't matter whether it was something like in my left foot or last of the Mohicans which just stay alive um, or whether you get into things like um, uh, uh, there will be blood Lincoln. Uh, what's the one he did with DiCaprio, the Scorsese film in New York where he plays Bill the Butcher. What's the name of that one again? Gangs uh, New York. Gangs New York. Thank you. Uh, where he's Bill the Butcher. I mean, he can just, and, and I contend Rob, that his performance in There Will Be Blood, I personally believe, is the single greatest performance I've ever seen in a movie, <laughs> ever. I, I, I mean, it's just the way it is. Now, apparently, he's now retired, um, and that sucks for all of us <laughs> that he's retired. Yeah. But uh, he's anyway. What, I don't know. What do you think about Daniel Day Lewis, dude? Come on. <laughs> What's not to love? I mean, no, I, 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 every, I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that I didn't love. You know, even his performance. A lot of people didn't like Paul Anderson's movie, The Phantom Thread. Dude, oh I, yeah, he's I so love, good in that. I love that movie. I love the soundtrack and uh, all everything about it, and I love his performance. I nominated mean, for best picture, by the way. Nominated for yeah, best picture. Whether he is doing something showy like Bill the Butcher or or uh, in there will be I'm an oil man you know I mean I it's it's the voices he has dude I had never seen Lincoln and I owned the Blu-ray and it was one of those movies that I mean it's Spielberg movie I hadn't seen and I kept moving the Blu-ray down the bottom of the pile and not watching it I watched Lincoln and I thought it was so mesmerizing and he was mesmerizing I watched it five days in a row. <laughs> over and over and over. I was like, that. I mean, every I, the guy blows me away every time I watch him. Well, Rob, on that note, we've taken you over time today. We know you got stuff you got to work on, but thank you so much for being here, Rob. I hope you have a great weekend ahead. But in the meantime, my friend, where can people follow you and your adventures online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett, or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work, and my show, Rob Observations. Rob, thanks a lot for being here again, and we will talk to you soon, my friend. <clears throat> Take care, man. All right, guys, let's keep on going. We still have a, a, about uh, twenty minutes of time here, so let's keep on flying through your questions. Next one up comes to us from Double Crit, who writes. You said multiple times that due to Bozeman's integrity, he would have surely told Feige about his cancer, implying that not telling him means he's lax integrity. No, listen. Oh, God. See, people wonder why sometimes I repeat things multiple times. It's because I say things and people don't listen. I couldn't have been clearer the other day on this show when I said, hey, it's his own personal health issues. If he didn't want to share with people, that's totally in his prerogative. Nothing wrong with that. But I just believe he has so much integrity that I think he would. It was not implied at all that if he didn't tell anybody, he didn't have integrity. Please be very, very clear about that. And people wonder why I repeat things when I do, because I need to. Anyway, 
Um, uh, let's see. Uh, just wondering if, if your opinion changed since Feige and Spike lead the Five Bloods. Uh, they didn't know that he was sick. Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. I don't buy that for a second. Uh, personally, I don't think he was dishonest to hide it since he thought he would beat the disease. And clearly it wasn't impacting his ability to perform as T'Challa. If he knew he would pass away, it's a different story. Yeah, again, I, I respect that both Lee and Feige are, are saying that. I do. And I have no proof that they're not telling the truth. And I'm not calling. And, and, and per, but honestly, I still 100% believe that they did know. And I believe that they are choosing not to tell people. Um, I, again, I, when you're talking about, first of all, there are just insurance matters in place there. And again, when I saw, when I saw those pictures of Spike Lee and Chadwick Boseman together, after the shooting, like long after they shot um, uh, to five bloods and you saw how much, how different Chadwick looked in those pictures later, uh, like they, even if Chadwick didn't say a thing, which I believe he probably did to a small degree, but even if he didn't, they knew. Even if there wasn't insurance stuff and they're trying to play, I, I, I believe they knew. I respect that they're saying they didn't. Just like I respected that Ben Affleck and Warner Brothers for years kept pretending that Ben Affleck was still Batman when he wasn't. But they were doing what they needed to do and they were saying that he was. And I respected that. I, I mean, I, I got it. And I understood it. Um and again, I have no smoking gun that says they did. To me, it doesn't really matter. It's irrelevant. Whether whether Feige or anybody else knew is actually irrelevant. It's not important. I do believe they did know, regardless of what they may say publicly. Uh, but that doesn't change anything either. It, it doesn't really change anything. It doesn't change the fact that he was sick. It doesn't change the fact that we tragically lost him. Nothing about whether, whether and how much Kevin Feige or Ryan Coogler knew is relevant. It doesn't change a thing. It doesn't impact a thing. It doesn't change how we look at anything. And so while yes, I, I still believe and I will always believe that Feige knew to a degree, how much he knew, I don't know. Like how much I can only venture to guess. But that Feige knew something, nothing will change my mind about that. Uh, but that's not important either. It doesn't matter if I think Kevin Feige knew something or if I, if I think Kevin Feige didn't know anything. It doesn't matter what I think about it. And whether I think he did know or didn't know doesn't actually change anything about my overall feeling about the situation as a whole. So it's kind of irrelevant information either way. All right, next up. Uh, the Jurinator writes, uh, is this more a question for Rob, who you just missed? Uh, but if he is there, uh, if he's not there, no worries. What do you think of the fan casting Jeffrey Combs as Dr. Philip Boyce? You guys know I don't I don't care. I don't care. I, I don't do I don't do fan castings uh, at all uh, because uh, it's it's kind of pointless. It's kind of pointless. Now, Jeffrey Combs, though, you're saying he is. um Star Trek New Worlds. I would personally love it because Jeffrey Combs is a Star Trek legend. I don't know who or what he was in Star Trek. I'm looking down his IMDb. I don't know what he was in Star Trek. I'm a Star Trek fan, but I'm not a hardcore dude like Robert is. So he would have been the, the best person here to answer that. But you know, you know me. What do you think? What do I think of X actor and X role? Don't care, especially if it's not something that's actually legit or real. Uh, so 
I don't know enough about the connection, so unfortunately, uh, this would have been one, Gerinator, that it would have been great if Rob were here, because Rob could have answered that like this, but personally, I don't really care one way or the other, um, but I don't care about that one way or the other for just about anything. All right, Scott Brown writes, I took my son to see Tenet last night, and we both loved it nice. It blows your mind for sure with everything going on, but in an awesome way that makes great rewatchability. Uh, John David Washington and Robert Pattinson are fantastic. It just reminds me of why we go to the movies for the experiences. Yeah, I'm very excited. Anne and I are going to San Diego tomorrow. So Anne and I, we've got our tickets for Tenet. We're going to drive down to San Diego because it's like two and a half hours of a, less of a drive than it is for us to get to uh, Las Vegas. So we're going to go to San Diego for tomorrow, and I'm finally going to watch Tenant. So I'm glad you and your kid had an experience of that. I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I hope I get to enjoy it too. I'm hearing a lot of people complaining about it. I mean, it's got great reviews, but a lot of people, even though saying they like it, saying it's kind of difficult to follow. I haven't seen it yet myself. We'll find out soon. Thanks for sharing that experience with us, Scott. Uh, the Genius of Tenant writes, I've seen Tenet three times, speaking of Tenet. Not sure how it's possible, but I had three completely different experiences. First time, I didn't like it. But wow, this film is designed for multiple viewings. Third viewing honestly blew me away. Also, sound mixing is an issue in some theaters. That has been a repeated theme with some Christopher Nolan movies. Um, there have been a couple of times in Christopher Nolan projects where... The audio mixing with his dialogue has become a little bit problematic, right? Um, where, and I remember all the way back to The Dark Knight Rises, I might have told the story before, I can't remember, but, you know, they invited me, Warner Brothers invited me and like about 20 or 30 other like journalists and stuff like that to a special screening where Christopher Nolan was going to be there to talk to us and stuff like that. And we were going to watch like the first 10 minutes of the movie or something like that. And I remember it wasn't just Bane because everybody was oh, nobody could understand what a brain is saying. Like everybody was complaining about that, but it was more than that. Like I remember a, a number of us came out of the theater into the lobby of the theater where we were going to get to have a meet and greet with Christopher Nolan. And a lot of us are talking with each other. It's like, did you understand almost anything that was said by anybody? And it's like, no, nah, man, they had the audio so low of on the dialogue. Like you could hear the plane engines and you could hear all the sound effects, but the audio was unbalanced and it made it difficult. So that has happened with Christopher Nolan films before. And I'm hearing other people saying the exact same thing about Tenet. So that is one of the things I will definitely be trying to pay attention to, to see how the audio mixing with the dialogue goes and see if that's a continued problem or not. Uh, Mr. Uh, MD writes, I love Rocky four as a guilty pleasure, guilty pleasure. Nothing. Rocky four with Ivan Drago is a great movie. There's nothing guilty pleasure about that. Uh, over time, it became a cult classic of sorts, which is kind of interesting for a fourth film. I am a couple of years out of being able to remember its release, but do you have any insights, memories of how it was received then? Not really. I just remember I always loved it. And I remember all my friends liking it. Um, yeah, I... What what the media reception of it was? And all, I don't know. I, I, I can't even remember what year that came out or how old I was when it came out, but... All I remember is that I always liked Rocky Four. Rocky Five, little iffy, <laughs> but Rocky Four, oh yeah, man, I I thought that was great, man. But I don't remember what the overall media stuff was. But you, 
take that guilty pleasure out of here, MD. You just like this movie. It's a good movie. I love Rocky Four. All right, Ryan Loner writes, just caught up with The Owl House, and I highly recommend it. I've never even heard of it. It's very fun fantasy setting, and it's the first time Disney has let one of its cartoons have explicit non-heterosexual major characters, one of them voiced by Katara from Avatar. Never heard of it. What's it called? Uh, the Owl House? Let's see this. Okay, so it's an animated thing. Uh, for those of you just wondering what it is, I'll, I'll bring it up here on screen as well. So this is the Owl House. I've never even heard of it. It's listed as Disney Channel. So is it a Disney Channel? Is it on Disney Plus? A teenage, a teenager finds herself stuck in the demon realm and battles the forces of evil alongside a rebellious witch and a pint-sized demon king. Interesting. I've never even heard of this. I might have to keep my eyes open for that one. Thanks for putting that on my radar, Ryan. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Angela Dashner who writes. Thanks, Sean, for continuing to do shows through these difficult times with limited movie news some days. Uh, what movie coming up in the MCU slate are you most excited for? I am looking forward to the Eternals and Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah, I, I, I look, I'm fascinated by Eternals. That's a movie to me that could go either way. Like that could be a hot mess of a movie, but I'm fascinated by Eternals. But obviously it's Thor Love and Thunder. Like after, first of all, I love the first Thor movie directed by Kenneth Branagh. Taika Waititi bringing his sensibilities to Thor 3, Thor Ragnarok, was fantastic. I love Thor Ragnarok. And so hey, it's Taika Waititi again. You know, I, I can't help but be excited. Look, I'm a little iffy on this whole thing about them bringing, um, uh, what, what is, uh, what's the, his love interest name again? Is it, uh, it's not Jane, is it? No, it's not Jane. Hold a second. Um, what is, I can't, I can't even remember the character's name now being played by Natalie Portman. What is Portman's character's name again? It is Jane. Okay. So I was right. It was Jane, Jane Foster. Uh, I, on the surface, I'm not thrilled with the idea of them doing that one storyline about Jane taking up the hammer and becoming the new Thor or a new Thor. Uh, that to me feels kind of iffy, but it's Taika Waititi. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm, I remain very, very excited about it. Can't wait to see it. Uh, thank, and I, oh my gosh, I just noticed it was like a $50 tip. Thank you so much, Angela, for supporting the channel on that level. All of us here, thank you very, very much for that. And you're right. Look, yesterday there was no John Campia show because as on Wednesday night when I start putting show notes together, I just recognized there was nothing legitimately. There wasn't anything legitimate to talk about at the time. And if I can't now, I seriously, one of the things the pandemic has taught me is to never again take for granted when things are normal, how much great movie news we always get every day, right? Because every week there's three new big feature films opening. There's always a plethora of news. It's always just a matter of, oh, which news do we talk about? And when there's not significant or relevant or important or really interesting things to talk about, to me, that hurts the quality of the show because that's what we're here to talk about. Th this interesting stuff that's going on in the world of movies and entertainment. And especially in the pandemic, when no movies are coming out and when no movies are coming out and very little is in production, 
there's very little news and there's very little things to talk about sometimes sometimes for the most part we've been able to continue on and do shows as normal we've been very lucky but there are some times when it's just like there's nothing to talk about and then i face i face a dilemma like i did for yesterday's show which we did not do do i a do just a filler show where i know the quality isn't gonna be all that great because we don't have uh relevant interesting topics to cover do i just do a show anyway and collect the views and collect the ad revenue and all that kind of stuff or do i not do a show look i'm gonna let you in on something here here's a little bit of um let me give you a little bit of a peek behind the curtain so a number of like weeks ago um maybe even a month or two ago you know i had a conversation with ann about this very thing i was like listen i there are some days i put on a crappy show because that's just me i'm human some days i'll just put on a crappy show for the most part i try to put on as interesting and informative and hopefully entertaining show that gives some perspective whether general perspective or a different perspective on different items going on in the world of entertainment news and i want to have a consistency with that and one of the things I said to Ann was, my concern is if I even do shows when there's nothing to talk about, am I lowering the quality of my show? To which some people will say, Campia, your show can't get much lower quality. I respect that. But, 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 but honestly, it's like the people who watch my show are so, I am so honored because it is no small thing for somebody to take some time out of their day to spend with us here in the show. There's a lot of things you can be doing with your time. A lot of things you could be watching. A lot of things you could be listening to. And for somebody that is not lost on me, for somebody to take time out of their day, whether it's live or after the fact, to spend time and watch this show, that is an honor and a privilege and a responsibility that I take maybe too seriously. And so... If there's nothing, if I don't think I can deliver an interesting, informative, engaging show, because there's nothing legitimately to talk about, should I just do the episode anyway to get the views and get the ad revenue? Or is it better to say, listen, I owe the people who watch my show to give them the best show that I can give them, however limited my ability is. I at least owe them to, to give them the best show that I am capable to give. And if I can't give a show or an episode to a certain level of quality, by my standards at any rate, however low that might be, then I think I'm doing the people who take their time out to watch my show, I think I'm doing them a disservice. And so... I made the decision yesterday, look, there's nothing There's nothing legitimate to talk about. There's nothing to be informative about. There's nothing to give real context on. I think we're just not going to do a show that day. And that's the reality of living in the pandemic. 
And then, and then today, there's lots of great stuff to talk about, whether it's the Pattinson issue, whether it's the James Bond trailer, Mulan is getting like there's legitimate stuff to talk about. Um, and hopefully that'll be the same Monday through Friday next week. But I think. For me, and again, I'm, I'm sorry, I know this is boring to a lot of people. This is giving you a little bit of behind the curtain look here. Um, it is something that we struggle with. Like, there are just days. Do we do show? Do we not? And that's kind of what's behind it. Anyway, thank you for the well wishes, Angela. And thank you so much for the support. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, next up. Uh, let's see here. Augie Boyas. <laughs> Augie Boyas writes, uh, Hey, John, did you see the reports on the two pilots that claim they saw a man flying at 3,000 feet in the air with a jetpack? <laughs> no, I did not. Does this confirm that Robert Downey Jr. is back as Iron Man, or could it just be the Mandalorian? Thanks. I think it is clearly a sign. Uh, it is clearly a sign. Uh, that Robert Downey Jr. is absolutely back as Iron Man. I think it's clear. No, I haven't even seen that news report. I got to go and see if I can find that report. I got to go see if I can find that. So thank you for putting that on my radar. But yeah, Robert Downey, look, I don't care what he says in public interviews. He is going to be back. It might be three or four years from now. He'll be back. You mark my words. He'll be back. Um, let's see. Brandon writes, OMG, the first three episodes of The Boys Season 2 were amazing. I have not seen it yet. I was I cannot watch it without Anne, and so Anne and I are going to watch the first three episodes a little bit later tonight. And then I think Anne and I might even throw up a uh, little review. We might do a little couples review of the first three episodes of uh, the boys later this evening. Uh, maybe we'll pre-record it. Maybe we'll do it live. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But I cannot wait to watch it, Brandon. I'm glad you liked it. Andy Hong writes, you talk about how Vin Diesel never jobs or loses yesterday. So it got me thinking, who would win in a fight, Dominic Toretto or Supergirl written by the Arrowverse producers? I bet Toretto says the world doesn't need family when it has Supergirl. Oh, you're 100% correct. You are 100% correct. Yeah. Listen, if if. Vin Diesel, who I love. I love Vin Diesel. I'm a big Vin Diesel fan. If Vin Diesel, though, was writing Vin Diesel versus Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman all together, and he was writing a Dominic Tretto versus those three, somehow, someway, Dominic Tretto will win the fight and win it easily. He'll beat Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman just like that. If Dominic, if Vin Diesel is producing it. However, if the CW's producers for Supergirl are in charge, They'll have Supergirl beat everybody. And then after she beats everybody, everybody will thank her for beating them and claiming she's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, it, it bugs me. That's, that just bugs me about both those characters. Again, I'm a big fan of Vin Diesel, but that's always been one thing that's kind of uh, tempered my ability to appreciate his Dominic Toretto uh, character in uh, Fast and Furious. All right, Anonymous Viewer writes, Hey, John, with the passing of Bozeman, killing of the characters of Iron Man, Captain America, and Black Widow, what are the chances for Marvel deciding to do a complete reboot for their MCU? There is potential for multiple uh, billion-dollar movies that's not easy to throw away. Um, there are still literally hundreds of characters for them to do that will make billions of dollars. <clears throat> Look, at some point, will the MCU reboot? Yeah, at some point. But that point is not right now. It's not within the next few years. Uh, there's just way too many characters that Kevin Feige still has to use and explore. And by the way, I don't think Kevin Feige is going to be the head of the MCU for too much longer. You guys know that I believe 
that once Bob Iger steps down as the chairman of Disney, he stepped down from his role as the CEO, but he is still the chairman of the board of Disney. Once he steps down as that, I think Alan Horn will use that as the opportunity to get back to his retirement. Alan Horn, who, of course, runs all the movie division for Disney. That includes Pixar. That includes Marvel. That includes Star Wars. includes all of it. And remember, Bob Iger talked Alan Horn out of retirement to come and run the movie division for, for Disney and look at what the job he did was. You guys know that I believe they are grooming Kevin Feige to take over for Alan Horn. When Alan Horn, they finally give him the chance. I, I honestly think Disney has like one of those ball and chains put around Alan Horn's leg, keeping him in his office. Let me get back to retirement. No, Alan, you stay in there. You keep making us billions of dollars. But I think once he finally is able to get back to enjoying retirement and getting back to retirement, go laying on a beach in Tahiti and enjoy the fruits of his labors. Once that happens, I personally think they're grooming Kevin Feige to take that role over. So we might not even see Kevin Feige, but at any rate, um, I, I don't think so. There's still way too many characters and way too much money still on the table for them to make in their current iterations. All right. Nate Dog writes, The Boys Season 2, Diabolical Carl uh, Urban as Billy Butcher is the best casting choice ever. I can't speak to anything in Season 2 yet because I haven't watched the first three episodes. But he was great. In, I mean, everything about The Boys in Season 1 was great. And... Uh, the casting of Carl Urban as Billy Butcher is definitely one of the big reasons why. Uh, Sheik writes, Darkseid looks so cool in the Snyder Cut trailer. Does he, though? I... I... I don't know. I... I had a certain vision of how he could look according to the animated renditions of Darkseid. I don't know. It might grow on me. Like, you know me, I really like Batman versus Superman, but I, I wasn't so big on the design of, of, um, um, why am I freezing on the name of Doomsday? Doomsday. I wasn't totally big on the design of Doomsday. There's something Doomsday-ish about the live action dark side design. I mean, it was irrelevant because even though I didn't like the design of Doomsday, I really did like how they used Doomsday in Batman versus Superman. So even though I wasn't big on the design, I still really liked um, uh, the fights that he, the fight he was in with Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I like the role that he played in there and I ended up liking it a lot. I'll probably very much end up liking the, the tiny, tiny role that Darkseid has to play in the Snyder cut. And maybe, maybe it's also a situation where I just need to see it in context. I think I just need to see it in context. Um, I'm not, I'm not, but again, right now I'm not thrilled about the look of him. I kind of had a vision in my head about how they might make him look. And he looks a little bit more like dark side or a little bit more like doomsday than I wanted him to. But again, maybe once I see it in context, totally changed my mind about that. And I don't think it looks terrible, by the way. I don't think it looks bad. I'm just not, I'm just not loving it yet. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, Greg Scott Bailey writes, John, hope you and everyone are well. I'm commenting on the two hour YouTube live recorded issue. Would it be helpful if you set up a cutoff at two hours and then went offline for a 15 minute break and then do an overtime show? Uh, bring on the filthy. No, that's just more complicated because once you stop the show, then the show's done, you know, and we would literally lose 80% of the audience 
after like once we stopped the show and took a 15 minute break literally 80 percent of the audience that was still around would probably be gone and then i'd have to set up a new live event on youtube and get eh, so now that it's a i love that you're trying to think about solutions i love people that try to think about solutions so that's awesome but i i don't personally don't think that would work for me i don't think it would work for a lot of people in general but thank you for trying to think about it though i appreciate that all right next up edward wells writes to those who want to resurrect Killmonger to lead Wakanda, during the final battle, Okoye said Killmonger was not a worthy king, and he slit the throat of one of the Dora Milaje. Who is he leading? Yeah, I look, I I think it's laughable, to be honest. Like, I see a lot of people who are like, oh, they should bring back Michael B. Jordan's Kingmonger. Kill- Come on. Come on. That is one of the mo- that is a ridiculous idea. If you really think it through logically. That is that is no bueno. That is no good. And I went in very much in depth about like because I love Michael B. George. I think there's an argument to be made. He should have been nominated for an Academy Award for playing Killmonger. But the notion of bringing him back to be the next king of Wakanda is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous for all the reasons we talked about the other day. So anyway, yeah, so I'm with you, Edward. And and that one reason you just listed is, is just yet another of the millions of reasons why that that should never happen, should absolutely never happen. All right. Tyler Yeats writes, hey, John, saw Tenet yesterday, really enjoyed it, but it was hard to understand at times. You're not the only person I'm hearing saying that, Tyler. Uh, going to have to see it again. This movie made made me like Robert Pattinson even more. Have a good day. But listen, I've been telling people since even before they cast him as Batman, I've been telling people, look, I get it. You may not have a high opinion of Robert Pattinson if all you've seen him in was the Twilight movies. If all you've seen Robert Pattinson in was the Twilight movies, I get that he's not high on your list. I get it. But you owe it to yourself to check out this plethora of smaller indie films he has done the last few years where he has literally become one of the top guys that directors are trying to work with. Because he's turned in, whether it's High Life, Good Time, Rover, you name it. This guy has turned in killer performance after killer performance for years now. For years. And so when they cast him as Batman, I was like, you know what? Damn right. Damn right. Because you know me, again, I just want a good actor. They picked a great actor. And again, I, I understand for those of you who only have ever seen him in Twilight, that you have a hard time believing that. I get it. I do. I, that's understandable. If all you've seen him in was Twilight, I would be skeptical too. But he's turned into a damn good actor. And I'm glad you had a chance to check that out. All right. An anonymous viewer writes and I'll, sends in a $50 tip. Thank you so much, anonymous viewer, for supporting the channel on that level, dude. John, I finally did it. Took me five years of watching the John Campy show to do it. The Godfather. Bravo. Uh, it was a fantastic film. I even went ahead to watch part two as well. Nice. Some people think that's even better. Uh, I find it hard to watch. I find it hard to watch old films, but I was but I was able to enjoy and finish both films. Is part three worth watching? Well, if you watched us a little bit earlier on in the show, yeah, I think part three is worth watching. Like part three gets a bad rap. I'm convinced a lot of that is just because it, it doesn't, it's not up to the quality of part one and part two, but again, it's arguable that part ones and part two are amongst the greatest films ever made in cinematic history. It does. Part three does not live up to that mantle. I think it's really good. I think part three is really good. So, yes, I would say if you liked one and two, 
give three a shot. Understand that the Sofia Coppola scene's not the best, but uh, overall, I think it's pretty damn good. So anyway, th thank you for supporting the channel again on that level, man. We appreciate that around here. All right, guys, just time for a couple more, and then we're going to wrap it up. Movie employee writes, John, I'm glad you had a great time in Vegas, but wanted to share a few things with you. First, locality sets standards. So at AMC in Texas, we get our own drinks. That's interesting because at the AMC in Las Vegas, they didn't let people touch the drink machine. They had an AMC staff person do it, so only one person was touching it. I thought that was a really good move. Um, in Texas, we get our own drinks, but wipes are available. Second, social distancing is based on style of auditorium and local rules. Third, food is based on locale, so no concession in Boston. Oh, that's interesting. How does a movie theater be open without concession stands? Like, that's the only way a movie theater makes money. They make no money off the movie ticket. So that's interesting. Lastly, all location uh, and get details so that you and Anne are comfortable. I've seen Tenet three times. If you are not watching in Dolby IMAX, you are not getting the full Nolan experience. Looking forward to your review. I'm looking forward to seeing it too. And again, it's just like Vegas, right? Because when I was heading to Vegas, one of the things I said was, if I get there, and I see everybody running around without a mask on and I see them overcrowding areas and I see them not enforcing like distance rules and a concession line and all that kind of stuff. I'm just turning around and I'm leaving. I don't care if I drove three and a half hours to get there. If I like I want to take precautions and if I see other people not taking precautions, I would just turn around and walked out. But I listen, I got to tell you, I was really impressed with that AMC theaters, the AMC Theater Town Square, the AMC Town Square in Las Vegas. I got to tell you, full kudos and shout out to those guys. I felt like it was one of the most secure, safe places indoors that I've been in since the pandemic started. And I thought my grocery store does a good job of making me feel safe and secure in there. The movie theater was three times better. It was three times better. So same thing with San Diego, though. If Ann and I get down to San Diego... And we get up to the theater doors and we just see chaos. We're just going to turn around and leave. It's just that simple. We're just going to turn around and leave. 45 minute drive back to Ann's mom's house. We're just going to go out and hang out with her mom. Uh, so we'll see. But I'm hoping it'll be a good experience because having a movie theater that's only an hour and a half away from where I live is way more workable than having to drive three and a half to four hours to go out to Las Vegas to see a movie. So I'm really hoping this San Diego experiment works out well, but we'll have to wait and see. Thanks for sending in those uh, that heads up uh, movie employee. Appreciate that. All right, B. Wayne writes, Hey, John, just wanted to thank you for recommending Get, uh, Get On Up and Marshall. Fantastic Chadwick Boseman movies. And I know a lot of you guys haven't seen them, but if you really want to see Chadwick Boseman, listen, his performance in Get On Up is even better than his performances T'Challa. It's all subjective, but I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think his performance in Get On Up is even better than his performances to T'Challa. Uh, and his performance in Marshall is incredible as well. Get On Up and Marshall, my girlfriend and I watched them this weekend and we love them. Chadwick was truly a gifted actor. By the way, that Yellowstone series is great too. Costner at his best. Predict Emmy for him. I have been, that's a show I've wanted to watch for a long time. But I believe it's a Paramount Network show and I've never had the Paramount Network. Well, YouTube TV, which is my my way of watching TV is on YouTube TV. 
they just added the Paramount Network. So I've got to get on that Yellowstone thing because I've heard so many good things about it. So I really do have to check it out. And I'm so glad you watched Get On Up and that you watched Marshall. Make sure if you haven't already, you may have already seen it, but also watch 42 if you get a chance because he's really good in 42 as well. All right. Uh, just like two more and we'll wrap it up here today, guys. Uh, Jones writes, I started and tip $20. Thank you so much, Jones, for supporting the channel, dude. I appreciate that. I started watching your show during the, during the COVID outbreak. Uh, it was one of the things that kept me sane. Plus, uh, this show inspired me to start a podcast with my friends. Thank you, Rob, Aaron, and everyone for, uh, for the support. The podcast is called Coliseum available on Apple and Spotify. Well, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. We're glad you're joining us. Listen, being able to do this during the pandemic has also been like, maintaining our sanity at the same time but it's great that even in the midst of everything going on in the world the movie fan community can still get together and celebrate the things that we all love and good on you for starting podcast i'm always encouraging film fans even if whether it's about film or not get involved in your fandom Add your voice to the conversation. It doesn't matter if five people read it if you're doing a blog. It doesn't matter if 10 people watch it if you're doing a YouTube channel. It doesn't matter if 20 people listen to it if you're doing a podcast. It doesn't matter. All that matters is add your voice to the conversation. Because no matter how few or how many people watch, read, or listen, you're adding something to somebody else's day as well. And you're just flexing your creative to, your creative muscles a little bit and you're really getting involved in the fandom. And I think that's great. So good on you for doing that. All right. Uh, and Anazio writes, watch this. They get Terrence Howard as Black Panther. Oh, I don't think you'll be seeing them working with Terrence Howard ever again in the future. Nor do I think you'd ever see Terrence Howard wanting to work with them. Every, the, the, the breakup between... Marvel and Terrence Howard was not a good breakup. It was not a good breakup. Uh, all you got to do is hear Terrence Howard talk about that a little bit. But yeah, that was uh, not uh, not a good breakup. I don't think you're going to be seeing those those uh, those two entities working together again. All right. Last one today comes from Don uh Pezulima, Pezulima writes, Hey, John and team, I binged the three episodes of HBO Max's Raised by Wolves due to my love of sci-fi and Ridley Scott. I love it so far. The chilling intro and the WTF awesome moment when shit hits the fan towards the end of episode one gave me goosebumps. I wish I could, I wish I could tell you that I liked it too, but HBO apparently doesn't give a shit about those of us who use Roku's. And since I'm a Roku user, I don't have access to HBO Max. So they clearly don't want me as a customer right now. Um, when they do want me as a customer, I am going to be very enthusiastically signing up for HBO Max. I will be very enthusiastic about signing up for HBO Max once they tell me I matter. Because right now their message is, oh, you're a Roku user? You don't matter. Oh, you're a Amazon Fire Stick user? You don't matter. That's their message right now. So I just want HBO and Roku and Amazon Fire Stick and all them to get back on the same page, get the deal done so I can happily sign up. Uh, and I will be very enthusiastic about signing up for HBO Max once it's available to me. Until then, I can, all I can do, Don, is just hear from people like you that it's there's some pretty good stuff on there, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. All right, guys, listen, for everybody else, there's only a few more questions to come from Colin, Superhero News, and onward. Do not worry. On Sunday's open mic, 
We will start Sunday's open mic with your very first question of the day on Sunday will be Collins. Uh, that'll be the first question we cover on Sunday's open mic. Now, you might be saying Sunday's open mic. John, don't you usually do open mic on Saturday? Yes, I normally do open mic on Saturday. But as I said, Ann and I are heading to San Diego so we can go watch Tenet. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing on Saturday. So instead, open mic this weekend will be on Sunday. You guys can start firing in uh, comment and questions to be right on the show if you wish right now. Guys, that will do it for me today for this installment of the John Campion Show. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you to Robert Meyer Burnett for adding his gloriousness to the show. Thank you to all of you guys for being here and spending some of your important time with us. And a special thank you to all you guys who sent in those questions because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about, but number two, you supported this channel along the way. And all of us here, thank you very much for that. Guys, in the meantime, do the most important thing. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. May you guys have a glorious weekend planned ahead of you, filled with glory and triumph. I hope you have a good, relaxing, rejuvenating weekend, ready to kick next week's ass. That will do it for me for now, guys. Thank you so much for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.